But anyway, I'd like you to turn with me, if you have a Bible or a phone or a tablet, to Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we're going to look at it together. Keep your Bible open if you brought your Bible, because we're going to be looking at quite a few verses in this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Hear God's infallible word. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your forefathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your uh, your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out into the hills and valleys, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, And when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together before we dive in. Father, how we thank you this morning for the opportunity and the privilege of worship. 
And now as we bow before you and before your word, we pray, Holy Spirit of God, that you will come and teach us the meaning of this chapter and apply it to our hearts and our minds. And then as we leave here today, oh Lord, we pray that we will not be just hearers of the word, but we will be doers of it. And for that to happen, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will come now and use this time to equip us as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ to follow you this coming week and into the future. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I mentioned to you that I'm the dean of students at the seminary. And one of the things that I do as dean of students at RTS is I meet with people. I meet with lots of people. I meet with students all the time. I take them out to lunch quite often. I meet with faculty members and administrators and people out in the community and pastors, and I tell them about our seminary. Well, this couple of weeks ago, I had lunch scheduled with one of our students, and I arrived at the restaurant in plenty of time. I sat down, I ordered my Diet Coke, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and sure enough, the student did not show up. So I called him about 15 minutes after the pointed time, and I said, uh, I'm here. And of course, he said, oh, Mike, I totally forgot. Well, I couldn't be too mad at him because I've done the same thing too many times to mention, forgetting appointments. Uh, now that I'm the age that I'm at, I'm going to be 70 next year, I'm forgetting names names. I've already met several of you. I'm sorry. I've already forgotten your name. John, remember you. (laughs) But it's hard to remember, isn't it? It takes work to remember. You might even say it takes discipline. And I'm going to suggest to you all this morning that remembering is one of the disciplines of the Christian life. We don't usually include remembering in the list of spiritual disciplines. We think of prayer and Bible reading and silence or maybe solitude, something like that, worship. But remembering is a discipline of the Christian life. Again and again in the scriptures, God tells his people to remember, to not forget what he has done for them in the past, lest they lose heart. And Deuteronomy chapter 8 is one of the best examples of God's call to us to remember. In the book of Deuteronomy, what's going on here? Well, Moses is addressing the people of Israel on the eastern shore of the Jordan River. They're preparing to cross the Jordan and go into the promised land. And Moses knows he's about to die. So he's got one more chance to tell the people what's really important. He's giving Israel some final instructions about the things that they must do to experience God's blessing in their new home. And one of the main things Moses tells them to do is remember. In fact, in this chapter, you see the word remember or forget several times. Those words are in verses 2, 11, 14, 18, and 19. So it's pretty important in this chapter that we are to remember. So let's talk about the discipline of remembering morning. I want to bring you two things. If you like to take notes, we're going to talk first 
about the danger of forgetting and then the delight of remembering. Okay? The danger of forgetting and the delight of remembering. So let's dive right into the danger of forgetting. Verse 11 of this chapter says, Take care. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his rules, and his statutes, which I command you today. And then later in verse 19, Moses says to the people, And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I warn you today that you shall surely perish. The danger of forgetting. Now you would think, right? You would think that it would be impossible for the people of Israel to forget God after all that he had done for them. Forty years before this time that we're in right now, when these people were babies and little kids, they and their parents and their grandparents had been enslaved in Egypt. And God had delivered them from their bondage through miracle after miracle. Some of these very people were alive when God sent those 10 plagues upon Egypt. They knew about the Passover lamb being killed, the blood, you know, being painted on the door frame of the home, the parting of the Red Sea of all things, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Surely these people would remember waking up every morning to go out and collect the manna that came falling down out of heaven upon the ground. Surely they would remember the water that flowed out of rocks to assuage their thirst. The times that they heard the very voice of God speaking out of heaven. Surely they would remember the Ten Commandments given to them on Mount Sinai. The amazing healing that many of them experienced from poisonous snakes and the victories that God had given them over armies that were stronger and more powerful than their own. But believe it or not, people of New City Church, the Israelites forgot. In the book of Judges, chapter 8, verse 34, it says that the people of Israel did not remember the Lord their God who had delivered them from the hand of all their enemies on every side. Unbelievable, we say. Oh, they didn't forget the fact of God. You know, they remembered that there was a deity by the name of Yahweh. They didn't forget that they were supposed to go to this tent called a tabernacle and offer sacrifices to Yahweh. They didn't forget God in that sense. But they forgot to trust Yahweh. They forgot to obey his commands. They forgot his promises. They forgot his past mercies, his deeds of deliverance that I've just enumerated. That's why they gave in to fear instead of living by faith so very often. And we do the same thing, don't we? I do the same thing. Why, not too long ago, I gave a talk at this seminary that I was telling you about. I gave a talk, and I felt like I did a poor job. I felt like I just botched it, and I was so depressed. I went home, and you wouldn't have wanted to be around me for a couple of days. I was depressed. I was irritable. I was totally into my own head because of this talk that I thought I'd failed. Did I pray about it? No. 
Did I talk to my wife about it and ask her help? No. I just bottled it up and pushed it all down inside. Did I believe that God loves me no matter what? No. No, I forgot. I completely forgot God in several different ways in something that really mattered to me. Ever have a time like that? I suspect we all could say we have. Sometimes we're functional atheists. You know what I mean? We act as though we believe in God, we know our Bibles, we come to church on Sunday morning, but functionally, when it really matters, when we have the opportunity to trust Him, we don't. We forget who God is. We forget that He loves us, that He is faithful. We forget that God will provide for us. And so we become people wrapped with worry and anxiety and depression and all these other ills that we often fall into. We live as though God doesn't exist, even though we know that he does. Why? Why do we do that? Why do we? Why did the Israelites forget God in these ways? Two reasons. First reason, pride. The first reason we forget God is pride. Look with me at verses 12 through 14, where Moses touches on this subject of pride. He says, take care lest you forget the Lord, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be, what? Lifted up. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Underline that phrase, when your heart be lifted up. See, that's pride. Pride is when your heart is lifted up, when your ego is inflated, when you think you're pretty big stuff. Pride is thinking you can make it on your own. Pride is living independently from God, depending on your own resources. I got to where I am today by my own effort. I can take care of myself very well. Now, we wouldn't say that in so many words, but that's often functionally how we behave. How dare we think that way, people? How dare we? When our hearts are lifted up like that, when all the while everything we are and everything we have are gifts from God right? That's what it says in verse 18. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your forefathers. See, pride is saying, I did it myself. I can take care of myself. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to walk with God moment by moment. I'll call on him when things are really desperate, but I'm doing pretty good without him. That's pride, a prideful, self-centeredness, arrogance, uh, independence from God. That's one reason that we forget God and don't really trust Him and obey Him. Second reason is pain. A second reason we don't uh, often remember God is pain because it hurts to remember some things. You may have been abused earlier in your life. Perhaps you've had one or more miscarriages. You don't like to remember those times. My wife had two. We don't like to go back to those, those times when, in our memories. Perhaps you've struggled with infertility 
and that brings you pain. You don't like to reflect on that source of pain. Perhaps your marriage went down the tubes and you're constantly thinking about all the things you did or didn't do to make it better. It's painful. Maybe your child walked away from the faith. Maybe you had made a terribly costly financial decision sometime in your past. And you don't like to think about the consequences of that. I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago with a dear friend of mine whose adult child has completely turned her back on her mom, my friend, and has nothing to do with her anymore. And so my friend struggles with the pain of that situation. She doesn't like to reflect on the things that led up to that. To reflect on the past is often very painful. We don't want to remember bad things that have happened. It brings us sorrow to recall those things. But look with me at verse 15, because it says that God led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. God led you through pain in some mysterious way that you and I will not understand until we get home, God wrote our stories. And some chapters of our stories are painful. He led us. He led you in and through pain. Back in the late 1990s, I was pastor of a church in another city in Florida. I was there for five years, and most of the time in that church, I felt like a complete failure. The church didn't grow. In fact, it shrank. Later on, it split. Many of my friends left that church while we were there. My marriage suffered. My kids suffered. I wondered if I was cut out to be a pastor. It was the hardest five years that I've had in my life. I'm tempted to hate that story. I don't even like some of the memories that come to my mind as I speak it to you this morning. I don't want to remember that time. But friends, when we refuse to remember the past because it's ugly, we lose something very precious. We lose the rest of verse 15 of our text. Verse 15 goes on to say, He brought you water out of the flinty rock. He fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. See, when I don't want to remember those hard five years, I actually forget about the good things that happened during those five years the friends that I still have, the lessons of leadership that I learned, the people whose lives were changed for the better. I have to remember, God, you led me in that wilderness. And so I will remember the deeds of the Lord, even though it brings me some pain. Pride, we don't want to remember the Lord. Pain, we don't want to remember. Friends, it's dangerous to your soul if you forget. Because when you don't recall God's past mercies, whether because of your own pride or the pain that it may bring, you lose sight of the Lord who is leading you through the darkness 
to a new and brighter day. The danger of forgetting. Now let's think about the delight of remembering. The delight of remembering, it's very obvious in this passage. Verses 2 through 4, let me read those again. Moses says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger. He fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. People of New City Church, God has been good to you, has he not? Yes, you've had hard desert experiences. As a church, you're having a desert experience even today. There have been times of humbling and testing. And there will be in the future as well. Don't think that this stops. We will always have these hard times. Yes, you've had to go through some vast, dreadful wildernesses and thirsty and waterless lands, as the chapter says. You've met up with some fierce snakes and scorpions along the way. But here you are. Here you are. You're still believing God, you're still worshiping God. You're still holding on to him. No, he's holding on to you. And he will not let you go. He will bring you home all the way. So you know what you need to do? You know what I need to do? We need to practice the discipline of remembering. It is something we must practice. We must do things in order to not forget. How do you practice the discipline of remembering? Let me mention two ways. Both start with the letter R. First, recall your stories. And second, repeat those stories to other people. Recall your stories and repeat them or share them with others. First, recall your stories. Go back in your mind and ponder, recollect those defining moments, those experiences in your past that made you the person you are today. Write them down. Have you ever thought about writing your life story? I'm doing that right now. I think I'm on page 120 or something like that. Write your story. Write these things down and put them in a good, safe place on your hard drive. Remember the hard times, the times of testing, the loss and the pain that you've had in your life, the wilderness experiences, the days of hardship and of testing. But remember the good times too, the sweet times that you've had the water out of the rock, the manna in the wilderness, the times that your clothes did not wear out and your foot did not swell. What would that mean to you and me? Well, it might mean our first date. It might be your wedding day if you're married. It might mean the births and baptisms of your children if you have kids. It could mean the day that you pray to receive Christ and become a new man or a new woman. It might mean the answered prayers that you've had in your life or the hopes that have been fulfilled by the Lord. Write them down, ponder them, meditate on them. Because as you recall these stories, you'll be discovering reasons for hope. You know, throughout the Bible, you see God telling us to remember his past deeds, 
his past deliverances, remembering them. It takes recalling and discipline, right? Uh, I think of a couple of the Psalms, for example. In Psalm 77, the psalmist who is Asaph says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Do you see Asaph the psalmist is practicing the discipline of recalling what God has done in the past. Psalm 103, I believe someone here preached on Psalm 103 recently, right? What's it say? Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with good things so that your life is renewed like the eagle's. Psalm 103. Throughout the Bible, you see example after example of where Israel erected monuments, right? Or memorials. In one case, it was called an Ebenezer, a stone of help that the people of Israel could go visit and could say, oh yeah, I forgot, but now I'm remembering what God did in the past. So important to have Ebenezers in your life, memorials, things that remind you of what God has done for you. In the Bible, over and over again, God doesn't just say, I am God. He says, I am God who parted the Red Sea. I am God who made a covenant with your fathers. I am God who gave you manna in the wilderness. See, God is even helping us to do the practice of remembering. Stories Stories are powerful weapons against the enemy. The devil hates our stories. Why? Because our stories prove that the gospel is true, right? The the stories that we recall, the things that we remember that God has done for us are proof that God loves us and that he'll never give up on us. And the devil absolutely hates that. So he is not going to encourage you to remember God's powerful deeds. You must recall You must work at recalling these stories again and again, and it will lift your spirits and make the devil flee. So recall your stories, but remember there's a second way to practice this discipline, and that is by repeating your stories to others. Your story is not meant for you alone. It's meant for other people. And so you must share your stories with your children your family, your parents, your small group, your Bible study, your neighbors, your church. It's the value of testimonies, right? Let me tell you one of my stories, if you don't mind. Uh, My wife and I have four kids. I was telling John that a little while ago. And they're all adults. They're all grown. They all have children. They're all married, all blessed very, very much. God has been very good to our family. Well, I remember our, when our oldest child, our daughter, Rebecca, was nine months pregnant. She was heavy with child, as they say. Um, it was her second child. But something was very, very wrong at this late time in her pregnancy. She didn't know it, but Rebecca was massively bleeding internally. She was going in and out of consciousness 
and she was rushed to the hospital. They did an emergency C-section on my daughter. But when they opened Rebecca up, to everyone's surprise, the baby was not in Rebecca's uterus, but was in her abdominal cavity. In other words, Rebecca had what is known as an abdominal pregnancy. The baby had spent the past nine months growing in the wrong place, and nobody knew it. Abdominal pregnancies are very rare. The incidence of abdominal pregnancy is one in every 10,000 live births. About one-third of the babies who survive are malformed, and only 50% survive for longer than a week. Abdominal pregnancies are also life-threatening for the mother due to massive hemorrhaging. But Rebecca's little baby is now 18 years old. You know what his name is? Ebenezer. We call him Eben, but it's Ebenezer. Eben just graduated from high school, and he is now in the U.S. Coast Guard Academy. Started just a couple of weeks ago. And my daughter, Rebecca, recovered just fine. What did I just do? I told you a story. I recalled it, and I repeated it to you. A story of God's faithfulness, how he has demonstrated his love for my family in a unique way so that it might encourage you to live with just a bit more trust in a faithful God. But I know an even better story, one that will make that story pale in insignificance. One day, about 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who loves us very, very much who wanted to take all of our sins away and reconcile us to his father. So this man let himself be bruised for our iniquities and wounded for our transgressions. He was betrayed by his friends, hated by his enemies, wrongly convicted with trumped up charges, tried and condemned as a criminal until he was finally hung on a cross pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. He was nailed to this cross outside the city of Jerusalem, and two criminals were crucified at the same time, one on this side and one on that. And one of them, the one who knew himself to be a sinner, before his death looked over to Jesus in the middle and said to him, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looked over at that criminal and said, I won't forget you. Today, today, this very day, you will be with me in paradise. See, you and I, we may not remember. We will forget from time to time. But you will never be forgotten by God. If you're his child, he will always remember you. In Isaiah chapter 49, it says that he has engraved you on the palms of his hands. This week, take time to remember what God has done for you and tell someone a story of how faithful he has been. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you remember people who forget. 
people like me, people like New City Church. Thank you that you don't forget us, that we are your precious possession. Would you help us, Lord Jesus, to remember your deeds, the deeds that you've done in our lives, the things that you've done to demonstrate your love, your power, your goodness, your faithfulness? Yes, many of us could tell stories of pain. But Lord, thank you that even in those wilderness times, you're there, you're present, you are leading us. God, help us not to forget all your benefits. I pray for New City Church in this season when they might be tempted to forget. Help them to recall your faithfulness in the past so that they might trust you and follow you into a new and brighter day. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen.